check. Hello. 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 We need really good voices for this if it's an audiobook. Oh my god. We need to use our audiobook voice narrator voice. And then we did a sound check. Yeah. June is audiobook month and I only recently became a convert, but you were talking about them for a long time before I even ever started an audiobook ever. I was always a print reader. Yeah. What yeah. made you what made you decide to give it a shot? Well, I recently became a convert. <laughs> Usually I would only listen to audiobooks during the winter time when I knew I was going to be in my car more often than usual. Oh, okay. But what I a reason I became an audiobook reader lately is because I've, I'm now in this book club that the library does at the Ferndale Project. And so now that I have, have to be forcing myself to read a book literally every 30 days, which I can be a slow reader, now someone else is reading for me. There you go. I've always been a slow reader too. So it it was sort of natural for me to come to them. In preparation for this podcast, I started thinking back and I can't remember a specific like, I'm going to start reading audiobooks moment. But I do remember kind of having the sense of realizing that I hadn't read a book in over a year. <laughs> and I worked in a library from my entire adult li life and some of my teenage life. And that feels very shameful to tell your colleagues or patrons like, yeah, I don't read much <laughs> like they wonder why you work at a library quote unquote unquote read uh read because you are still reading technically yeah which absolutely is a thing we'll totally get into yeah you're listening to a little too quiet the ferndale library podcast it's brought to you by the friends of the ferndale library and we're talking all about audiobooks because it's audiobook month and i'm jeff and i'm joined here by kelly hello who was the one who really inspired me to start listening to audiobooks oh wonderful glad yeah. to hear it it's weird to have been doing it for a long time because like you say, like, quote unquote, read, I've found recently that people aren't doing that anymore. People aren't going, oh, well, I didn't actually read it. I listened to it or accusing other people of not reading. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the way people are living their lives. One of the things I was thinking about when you asked me is, uh, you know, the way they fit into our lives and how... I have mixed feelings about it because I think with this country's mm -hmm. obsession with efficiency uh, <laughs> that sitting down and reading a book doesn't always fit into people's plans. And that is sad in a way for me, but also as a person who like just didn't do that, I thought, well, we do still have like a... We're still trying to make space for stories, for entertainment, for different kinds of learning than maybe, you know, from school or, or even for work is that it's good because maybe people will just not be reading at all. Right. So and I think another thing that's bringing it to the fore is Audible is an amazing app. I've been a member there for a very long time off and on. And then sort of the development of the library apps, Libby slash overdrive and hoopla you can really build yourself up a queue of books and just <laughs> kind of I, I always get over ambitious and then the holds expire and i get sad and disappointed with myself but you know the ability to have them on your phone i think has really changed people's access to them um, i'm a person who has been doing it long enough that i would check out cds from this library and you'd have to make sure that they weren't all scratched you had to make sure they were there <laughs> And then when MP3 players came along, I would check out CDs, rip them, 
organize them by title. I mean, if you were a, a music listener, it's the similar thing. And then load them on, you know, painstakingly onto your weird MP3 player. I never had an iPod, but uh, so the idea that you could pull your phone out of your pocket, search for a title, click download and just listen. It still kind of astounds me because I remember the days of doing that. Or if you were a little into the gray Internet <laughs> marketplace searching for places, you know, for this book that you couldn't find on audiobook at your library they used to have abridged audiobooks mm -hmm. because they were on tapes and there'd be so many tapes. And that was a pet peeve of mine. Like, why would I ever want to listen to less than the whole book? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, that's dumb. So now they don't do that anymore because it's all on, you know, it's all digital. Yeah. <laughs> As you saw uh, hinted at in the title of this episode, we're not, not only we're we talking about audiobooks, but later in the episode, we will be joined by a professional audiobook narrator, Dan John Miller, who happens to be based here in Michigan, which is why we're getting him on our, our Michigan based podcast. But he's also a musician who's been in bands such as Blanche uh, and has been in films such as Walk the Line. But he's he's also been narrating tons and tons of books including I'm seeing right here a perfect fit for him the nonfiction book about the wrecking crew yeah, the cool. uh, band of session musicians that uh, you hear they created the wall of sound anyway we'll be talking to, <laughs> to Dan in a little while that's awesome. uh, but I want to say a different name to Kelly right now and that's Jim Dale oh yeah uh, my first introduction to the world of audiobooks was like sometime in like 2001 mm. when a family member had an audiobook downloaded on iTunes and it was one of the Harry Potters. Yeah. And the concept of me as like a teenager sitting still and listening to a, a <laughs> book. Look at this. There's so many tracks. What is all this? It was yeah. foreign concept. He's to me. wonderful. But he's a legend now. Yeah. I actually saw him in a production of Three Penny Opera oh. that also had Alan Cumming. Um, it was at studio 54 it was just an um, awesome show but amazing. he's a great actor jim really dale is the narrator of all the audiobooks of the harry potter series yes. for american audiences and then i believe the british audiences it's stephen fry had stephen fry and doing all the books that's my favorite yeah. i again not gonna incriminate myself but there was a time when you could not get a hold of those in a legal way and uh i managed to read them and uh they're both awesome. Yeah. I happen to have been a fan of Stephen Fry's first, so I wanted to hear it. <laughs> but um, yeah, Jim Dale also narrated The Night Circus. Oh, cool. Which is a perfect yeah. choice yeah. for him. When you have those big series, somebody with a malleable voice is really important. I listened to Game of Thrones, um, which oh, I can't remember the guy's name that narrates it, but he'd been doing it a really long time, older guy. And he really made listening to that book like way easier than you would think because he had different voices for a lot of these people. Oh, yeah. Roy Dotrice. And he's even dressed in a Game of Thrones <laughs> costume online. Great. Yeah, that's a and we've talked about this book before the what's the that one that I had to give up. There's too many family members. Oh, Galore by Michael Crummy. Yep. I couldn't do it because yeah. you clearly have to have the family map in front of you to understand right. what's right. happening. And I was like, ah, like it sounds cool, but I'm not going to be able to handle it on audio. What are some of the books you've got on your list and your notes here? I really, really, really enjoyed It by Stephen King, narrated by Stephen Weber. Oh, man. Who was, if you're an old person like me, he was on Wings, that show Wings. Oh, yeah. Um, he's also been in... Uh, a production of The Stand, like mm -hmm. it was a TV production that some people like better than 
you know, I've other heard good things about that. Man, I loved that book. There was so many times where I just like sat in my driveway, like finishing it up. He brought the nostalgic part of it to, you know, to light and the scary stuff. He really leaned into it. And that is a brick of a book. It's huge. Like that's 40 hours of audio. <laughs> so if you are, if it's not well done, you're yeah. like, who cares? Right. But uh, yeah, he does a perfect job with it. Another standout would be The Fireman by Joe Hill, uh, narrated by Kate Mulgrew. Um, Captain Janeway. That's amazing. Star Trek. Oh my God, her voice is so perfect for it. And what's like the main characters, I believe, are men. Mm -hmm. And so often they will have, you know, they'll try to match the gender or whatever, but it doesn't matter, man. She, she like made the scary stuff in that book like really scary. She just seems unflappable. So you're like, she feels like this observer that's watching all this and telling you about it. Yeah, yeah man, I couldn't recommend that one enough. It's so good. I can only imagine she's got such a, uh, she's got a range. She's got, she, her voice can go very low Yeah, and can get kind of smoky and raspy. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah. And it wasn't like too much because a lot of people I'm sure with very distinctive voices, you're like, okay, you know, I'm this listening is, for 30 is... hours. It's too much. But yeah, I just couldn't get enough of that one. It's probably why Michael Caine doesn't do audiobooks. <laughs> I can only imagine. And here's kind of a lesser known one that I want to shout out. It's called the Marid Adran series. The author is George Alec Effinger, and it's narrated by a guy named Jonathan Davis. And it's a cyberpunk series that's set in like the Arab world, which is I've never heard of anything else like that. And it's got lots of scenes of violence in it and weird cybernetic stuff. Nice. But this guy, Jonathan Davis, gets like he clearly can pronounce Arabic. I don't know if he speaks Arabic and gets the kind of the cadence. My significant other is is Lebanese. And so we read these books together and he's like, oh, they get like that, like honorific stuff. There's all these greetings you kind of have to do. And and even in this cyberpunk world, that's like brought to it. And he just gets that right. The names sort of roll off his tongue. And I I love that series. They're like really unique to me and just transport you to a place that doesn't truly exist. But, you know, there's elements of a world that maybe we don't know so much about. That's in, that's a whole other thing to consider is the pronunciations. Uh, that's also a meme you see on the Internet that someone reading print will try <laughs> on their own. But the audiobook reader always knows the correct pronunciations of everything. Yes, exactly. You do feel very smart when you're at like a book club. Mm -hmm. uh, a book club meeting and you're saying everybody's names right and that's a uh, something interesting we just re reminded me we read the gold diggers by sanjan asathian and i listened to it on audiobook narrated by rama valuri and the it's about second generation indians here in they're living in georgia actually but their parents came over from india one of the characters is when the author has done interviews has said this character's name is anita but the narrator says anita oh I don't know where to go. Anyway, so <laughs> don't disagree, that's guys. That's just the nuance. <laughs> You're complicating things. Yeah, I think another weird phenomenon of listening to audiobooks is that, especially I found out early in my life that I'm kind of an auditory learner. And so like little phrases and stuff will stick in my head. So like the Game of Thrones uh, character names in particular, they are can be have a little melody of their own. And so oh, yeah. you get like these names stuck in your head, which is kind of a weird thing or little phrases sometimes. And then the other phenomenon I've had, if I'm listening to a book and I stop and then 
I get back in my car and I rewind it. When they're t- saying the words, I'll remember where I was in my car when that came. So it'll be like, oh, yeah, I was turning, you know, onto Woodward when that <laughs> was. And it's not like a big, like, blast you in your face kind of a moment, but it just is like recalls where you were, um, which, you know, doesn't really happen when you're sitting in a chair mm-hmm. reading a book. You, uh, you've been bringing up fiction. I want to say, and I don't know if this is going to work for anybody else, but if you were out there and you're thinking, I want to get an audiobooks, but I just can't yet. You might want to consider nonfiction because you can almost trick your brain into thinking that you're listening to a long form podcast. Yes, there you go. Uh, and one that really worked for me, uh, the narrator was Scott Brick and the book Kelly will know very well is The Devil in the White City. I also listened to that was book. Like my first I am in love with audiobooks kind yeah. of moment. Yeah, which is he's... about like. Jack the Ripper in Chicago 1890s World Fair. Wild story. Jack the Ripper meets the demon barber situation. It's really, it's a really wild story. It's a really complicated story, and a lot of times audiobooks can't pull that off. But Scott Brick brought that story to life. Eric Larson, the structure of that story, worked really well. And I, I, speaking of the previous phenomenon, I used to walk up nine mile for exercise at lunch and i have a very significant memory of walking in downtown yep uh ferndale listening to one of the like more you know brutal moments of that book it just That's like the thing is we get our memories tied to where we were mm-hmm. in the book you know another one i don't want to get like religious or anything but reza aslan put out this book called zealot yeah. which is about the life and times of jesus christ and i you know being raised roman catholic decided I would check this book out uh, around Christmas time. So my memories of listening to this book are usually tied to snowstorms because ah. <laughs> I was driving around like shoveling a lot of my family members <laughs> driveways <laughs> while listening to this book. But uh, this is a scenario where it's read by the author, which mm-hmm. is another thing that happens from time to time. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, it very much does. I, I, I listened to this one too. And I actually met Reza Aslan at Wayne State University, he talked. And it wasn't a surprise to me that he did a good job because at his talk where the organization I was involved in like booked him, he was very fluid and, you know, he's been on, he's good on TV, all that. Um, A very kind of funny like reference to this in the audiobook listener world about people who can't read their own books is uh, Thomas Harris who wrote the Hannibal Lecter books. Sounds the lamps. first one, uh, which is Manhunter, there's two versions, that, but you can find one where he read it, and it's not great. Oh, no. <laughs> He's just, you know, I think people get married to the way that phrases should be said and mm-hmm. all that instead of realizing that they were also done in the the early 80s when the sound production oh yeah sound production existed they just weren't dedicating it to to audiobooks um and i think that has had a huge impact too um a lot of times people saw audiobooks as just tools for people whose vision was impaired right. um and so they're just like ah like instead of thinking those of those as readers and pleasing those people, they're just, well, we just say the words. Yeah. In fact, here's another dark fact. Um, Ed Kemper, who is a pretty intense serial killer, serial killer named the co-ed killer, he did, as part of a prison project, he read books um, for the blind. So you can find audiobooks read by Ed Kemper out in the world. <laughs> 
post being caught. Yes, which from is prison. Morbid to think about. It's morbid. Um, this is a man who has killed people. Yeah. And you're listening. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess it's a good service and it sort of sure, doesn't matter, sure. but that's a really like scary right. thing to think about that guy's voice in your ears, you know, telling you whatever story. Yeah. I have the perfect segue <laughs> to lighten that up and it still ties into being read by the author. If anyone asks me actually what my favorite audiobook is, it is Born Standing Up, the biography, autobiography of Steve Martin, read by the author. Just delightful. Just delightful. I, I mean, bet that's great. It's just fantastic. Yeah. You get to he's learn. So, he's a performer, you know? So I Absolutely. Think, I think that makes a big difference if you're just an author that sits in a room all day and writes a book. Like, I don't think Stephen King would ever be like, I'm going to read my book. Right. But, you know, you've got... All, you know, comedians who read their memoirs. I've I've listened to like Tina Fey's. Oh, yeah. Hers is funny. Mm -hmm. Even like My Favorite Murder, they're podcasters. So, of course, they read their own audio. Of course. Makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Another like kind of way that I think a lot of people listen to audiobooks is like on road trips. Yeah. I have a really good story about one of those. I randomly decided to go to Ogden, Kansas, where my grandfather was born just like on a whim. It's 15 and a half hours away from here. Like, oh, sure. Yeah, one way. That's a book. And uh, I grabbed Outlander, which is exactly 31 hours long. So it was like, it was the whole trip. <laughs> and it was good, you know, it was good. It's also very interesting to hear romantic scenes read aloud to you. It feels very embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> if you're kind of prudish like me, I'm like, oh. I can't believe they're saying that out loud. That's, <laughs> like, that's the first book is 31 hours. Yes. What is the author? Of? Diana Gabaldon. Diana Gabaldon, of course. Yeah. Um, that was a very lonesome drive mm-hmm. over some fairly boring terrain. Uh, terrain. So it was it was nice to have this like world to escape into while I watched the soybean fields <laughs> go by. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw in a quick note. Um, this is always good, too. If there's a book you... <laughs> If there's a book that's like your vegetables, like, a, I don't know, maybe it's classic literature, a book you feel like you should have read by now and you might not feel like uh, and you might think that it might be uh, uh, kind of doldrums to get through. Uh, George Orwell's 1984. I knew I wanted to read it. Didn't think I wanted to sit through it. Took it down on audiobook and actually loved it because I took it in on audiobook. Just or you know, yeah, that's a good recommendation. I um, and they're more and more, and some of them are Audible originals, and some of them end up getting released widely. Um, there's a big push to have like some of those classics read by celebrities. So I think Alan Cumming did a reading of Dracula. Oh boy! So I finally read that book. And it was good because, you know, Alan Cummings got that great, like, Scottish accent. Oh, yeah. You know, he's fun to listen to. <laughs> shout out shout out to my guy who got me through uh, George Orwell's 1984. He is, of course, British, and he has one of the most British names ever. Simon Preble. Wonderful. Simon Preble. Preble. 1984. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun because, you know, just like any kind of reading, there's lots of different you know, genres and stuff. Um, some of the early audiobooks that I really enjoyed listening to were the Janet Ivanovich, Stephanie Plum series. Oh, yeah. And the narrator for the first like five, her name is CJ Crit. She had this kind of gravelly voice and was sarcastic. And uh, I just I probably would not have read those books, but people seemed to think they were fun. And, you know, I could listen to them on my drive. And she was such a fun narrator. I, I plowed through the first 
you know, 10 of those and felt for me, you know, part of working the front desk at the library is connecting with patrons about what they're, you know, reading. And I was finding myself sort of left out. So at least once a year, I'll read like whatever the popular, the big one was so that I can know. Yeah. You know, what is, you know, what's the big deal about this one? And, yeah. you know, sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. Sometimes I'll go like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Not for me, but, you know, right. at least I know. And Because listen. every once in a while you field recommendations too. You're, yeah. You're not, you're not the reference desk, but someone will say, I don't know what to read. They'll just talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. Say, you know, and I, f- I form like, I form connections with people who like true crime for sure. And be like, oh, check this one out, you know. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> What else is on your list? I really loved, and this is a you know another Stephen King. Sorry to be so like one note, but it's I think the, horror is good for audiobooks just in general. The good, the girl who loved Tom Gordon, which is like not straight horror, but it's narrated by Anne Heche, and uh, I think I was in a really weird spot in my life. I had just broken up with somebody and still lived at home with my parents and just to kind of get out of there I would like drive around and I listened to this book and it's it's about this little girl who's like lost in the woods and I was just transported to that place and feeling her like loneliness but also her will to survive it's Mm -hmm. a strange book actually for him um that's what I've heard is that I I've heard from folks who say some variation of I'm not really into Stephen King but I liked this book yeah i i like a lot of his stuff he's you know um but this one i don't even know why i picked it up i i grabbed it from here i was working here at the time and we didn't have a huge audiobook collection so i must have just been like yeah all right i'll read this and uh you know plug in the cds into my cd player in my car and just trying to escape a little bit and it was a i love that book i don't know if other people love it it's kind of a minor it's a minor book in his oeuvre but the audio in particular made it a big a big deal for me excellent yeah one of the i guess the other thing i would say if you're a new audiobook listener to watch out for is you have to watch what tasks you do while you listen to a book most people i'm assuming are listening because they don't have time to sit down so dishes are fine (laughs) (laughs) folding laundry is fine yep maybe like organizing drawers but if you start to like do something that requires too much thinking. You'll think you're listening to the book and you're really not. Yep. And then you'll go, oh, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it it has to be something that's a little rote. Yeah. It could be painting. Okay, so you're just going to be doing paint strokes. Or raking. You're just yep. raking. Or you're just folding. If you're going to be checking your emails, no. No. No, no. Pause it. Pause it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that can happen, you know, if you're not super into a book for whatever reason, I would just say like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of books, even if it's an audiobook. Yeah. Just find another one. It's okay. I've abandoned so many audiobooks. My my audible list is full of like half finished books and I'm just like, hey, like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it got me through a couple hours of whatever that task was and I have no right. interest in going back. Right. Um, and that's okay. You know, I think it's okay to decide that you don't like something right anything else on your list before we go to dan oh yeah a weird little one called 14 by peter kleins narrated by ray porter it's just a weird little lovecraftian like oh there's like a room or there's an apartment in this complex and the 
attendees or attendees. What am I trying to say? The people who live in the apartment building. The tenants. The tenants. Uh There we are. They all kind of band together to like combat the evil. But the narrator, Ray Porter, he just humorous you know he's got voices for each of the characters some of which have you know different accents Mm -hmm. so that's always impressive when somebody can like pull off an accent that doesn't feel like oh you shouldn't have done that Mm -hmm. but also gives you like the flavor of who this person is and makes them like feel like a a a whole person (laughs) um it's not a book i've seen talked about very much but it was a fun but you it know, still horror. sounds like it also yeah fits into horror. I think yeah. there's something to be said about horror fitting nicely for audiobooks. Maybe if you're too much of a scaredy cat and you can't, <laughs> you don't want to turn the page, have someone else turn the page for you. <laughs> Man, if they're scary though, that makes it worse. Like I've listened to somewhere I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you're free to like go hide under your bed because you don't have a book. <laughs> All right. Uh, Well, we're going to talk about a horror book, too, because Dan John Miller has actually narrated one. Um, So I'm going to be asking him about that. And in just a minute, we'll be joined by Dan John Miller. So stay tuned for that. Are you there? We're there. We're here. I, I see you guys now. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? So good to you? hear your voice. Yeah. We've been talking about how good it is to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the concept. Happy Audiobook Month, Dan. Happy Audiobook Month. Congrats. For those, for those who choose to celebrate it, because a lot of people, you know, don't like the audiobook lifestyle. <laughs> and I, you know, I respect them for having the difference of opinion, you know, because <laughs> it's really not for everyone. And it depends on which God you're behind and all that. Kind of <laughs> it's it's for me. It's been for me since the early 2000s. I was one of those people who would like rip audiobook CDs and then put them on an MP3 player, like anything I could do to get an audiobook in my ears. Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. And yeah. I'm only a recent convert, so I'm I'm happy to be here. We haven't really accepted you, Jeff. I know, I know. I'm <laughs> waiting for that. I'm waiting for the letter in the mail. I'm waiting for mm-hmm. I'm waiting for my pin. R- rip an okay. audiobook and and put it on an an MP3 player from 2005, and then we can talk. So here that's we cool. were, Dan. I, you were a singer with a guitar in my mind, and now you're 2008, 2009. Your audiobooks. How? How did this happen? How did I how did I get here, as David Byrne once said? <laughs> so let's see. Uh, how did I get into audiobooks? I It was in 2008. It was just a very odd time because I remember we had just put out a Blanche album, and it was right around the whole Naps, Napster time, you know, with like, I don't know. I mean, I think everything kind of timed out pretty similarly with like the recession, mm. with the music industry kind of imploding, you know, with uh, all of a sudden it's like, nope, it's going to be turning into streaming and there's not going to be these advances for publishing or songwriting, you know, royalties and residuals and all that are going to be changed. So I think at that point, V2 in, let me see, was it V2 in America? Yeah, I think V2 in America was our Blanche, was the label for Blanche. They went out of business and then we had to look for another label and we were trying to negotiate that. So it was just really trying to figure out how to 
make a living, you know, doing something that you think you're good at or something you enjoy. And I was in California, I remember, and just trying to do some some more acting things and songwriting, you know, I was like, you know, talking with some people about publishing deals. And then the writers went on strike for Hollywood. So it was like <laughs> writer, the music industry and the recession, it all seemed to kind of, you know, hit at the same time. And I think right around that time too, Tracy and I might have, actually it was a little bit after that, but because I think I'd already done one, but like our daughter who we have two kids, then we had a daughter who was born in 2009, but I guess we, yeah, we had probably just become pregnant. So uh, I think it was just kind of like, all right, how are you going to keep your health insurance through the Screen Actors Guild and probably not going to be touring and, you know, just trying to make, figure out how to keep things going. So I was just, I've always been in the Screen Actors Guild for mainly for voiceover and then like some, you know, film stuff and some other things. But I was always thought that I would like doing audiobooks because I, always loved doing character voices because I always did a lot of crank calls as we called them back <laughs> in the day as a kid before caller ID and all that. So that was always fun. And my friends and I always did that. And, um, and then just, you know, telling stories from like a, uh, a perspective of like being okay with having headphones on for a long time, being in a cramped studio and, you know, staying, keeping your focus to tell a story and stay consistent which I thought I could do, um, but I didn't really have, I'd never done a book or anything like that. So I just put together, I just looked online really, and just started trying to figure out how to get a demo together. Then I, through Googling around, I found out that in Michigan, the largest independent audiobook publisher was in Grand Haven, Michigan, called Brilliance Audio. Oh yeah. Nice. And so Brilliance had just been bought, I think, right around then by Amazon. Um, but it was, you know, it was an interesting story. It was pretty cool. The guy who started the, uh, the company, you know, it was like something where he had made a bunch of money by figuring out for books on tape that he could make the cassettes. He could get twice the efficiency by having people switch from the left channel to the right channel to double the amount of time, just kind of funny things. And then he patented that. And then, so they were always a great company. And then I just, I hammered on them and I got in touch with somebody who lived around here and his name was Mel Foster and Mel's a really great guy and he had done a bunch of books from him. And so he, you know, he put in a, a word for me. And um, I also talked to this guy, Scott Brick, who lives in Los Angeles and Scott was really nice. And I went over to, he invited me over to his house and I saw his studio and his basement and stuff. And I was like, and I, I the thing I liked about, Scott was, he was, seemed like my stereotypical thing was that I didn't have a beard and I wasn't like of a certain vineyard. But I, <laughs> so I was just thinking like, all right, is it? So one thing about Scott was that he seemed to me like he was, he was on, you know, doing podcasts and things about audiobooks and, you know, just seemed to make it seem kind of cool. Um, and then, so I just recorded a demo at my house and through music, I knew how to do that. And then I talked to some people and one thing they said was like, Laura Grafton, who's a friend who's from the uh, Detroit area, she is retired now, but she was a casting person with Brilliance. And one of her things she was saying was that she, you hear all the time people like, I think I could do audiobooks," or people tell their friends, you have a great voice, you should do audiobooks." And she says, the first thing I tell people is 
sit and just try to read out loud for three hours, you know, you can take breaks, but you know, as if you're in a session and if you don't lose your mind, then maybe you can do it because <laughs> just uh, it's, it's really a maddening thing. And I remember going to like the temper mill, Dave Feeney, our, our good friend, Mr. Feeney, mm -hmm. he was working on some project and he had a bunch of us musician friends come in and we just had to read out of a book for like a half hour. And I remember at that point going like, man, that was, that was a lot of reading, but little did I know that it would turn into a good chunk of my life doing that. And yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's a good point that you put up. Oh, you have a great voice. You should do audiobooks. I've experimented with just reading aloud by myself, so I'm not disturbing anybody. And within three paragraphs, I've already stumbled on a word or something, Yeah. you know, which I imagine there's always the, the idea that you're doing t multiple takes too. So now you you just do you have to do it in one take and that's the worst is like i yesterday i got to page like 394 out of a 412 page book and i was almost there and i said the wrong word so i had to start over <laughs> can you imagine that would oh be oh my gosh that would not be good no no that's a whole other thing of like i love to read books i should work in a library well that's yeah. that's not exactly that that's right? not so. all that it is yeah <laughs> well it's yeah and it's kind of like being a musician where we used to joke about that like okay when you're on tour you know especially when you're doing everything yourself it's like yeah you're a musician about 10 percent of the time <laughs> yeah. about 50 percent of the time you're like a truck driver yep 30 percent of the time you're i don't know a loiterer or a mechanic <laughs> a mechanic a mover you know whatever yeah. but yeah the, the actual time you spend playing music or being able to work on it is not that much when you're on tour for sure i'm a part-time coffee shop loiterer yeah I'm just waiting for the bar next door to open yeah how long are the takes usually with reading audiobooks you mean before i screw up sure <laughs> um well the uh it depends on the um what kind of book it is, yeah. how well I've prepped it. And I remember when I started, you know, it was before we did things on, you know, everything's on an iPad now for a script, but before that it was manuscripts mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. I'd go through and I, you know, I'd read this thing of like, okay, you'll, for all the different characters, each character has a different colored highlighter and just going through and I can still, and Tracy, my wife, just remembering that, like, God, I remember the squeaking sound of your highlighters <laughs> prepping a book. And then, you know, sometimes that that makes it easier when you're more prepared. But it's it also depends on the dialogue, too. And yeah. how, because I think like if if I'm doing a nonfiction book and it, it also depends on the author, too. So like two different nonfiction books. I remember doing one on Otis Redding that I was so excited yeah. to do and, and reading it. Once I started narrating it, it was like, man, there's just a lot of I don't know if you want to call them three dollar words mm. or whatever. Oh, yeah. But it was just like perspicacious yeah there's got yeah and it's just like there's got to be a simpler way to say that and the guy was a good writer but it was just like for a book about otis Redding, it just didn't seem like it was exactly right and it was just really hard and laborious to get through did you to get into to get into a flow i think is the real thing but the thing i like doing the best i think is dialogue like i love doing two-person dialogue scenes especially if there's an an argument and then <clears throat> I think that's when I lose myself into the characters the most, you know, and yeah. you and it, you, and just not even thinking about it. And I right now, a lot of times I'll I have a home studio and I'll work with uh, like a director from New York and it'll be over the Internet. 
um, you know, and they'll go back and forth. But at Brilliance, especially, we would uh, we'd have three people, and it would be the narrator, the the director who had read the book, the narrator who had hopefully read the book, <laughs> and then the engineer who had not read the book. So it was great because the engineer gave it objectivity. So if you were giving something away or doing something, you could always ask the engineer and they'd have some objective opinion because they didn't know what was going to happen, especially if it was mystery or suspense or anything like that. Huh. But I, I remember doing some books with like a Philip Roth book that was really great. And I just remember getting into some scenes where it was just back and forth. And it just, it, it felt like therapy where it was just like, I was, I think, I think that is the most fun thing for me about audiobooks and narrating them is that if it's really great, it's therapeutic and it's just bizarre to do multiple characters. And when you can really feel those multiple characters, especially if there's like two characters arguing and I swear like in that book and I've had it, you know, it doesn't happen all all the time, but it's a, it's like you're having an argument with your conscience, you know, you just <laughs> like, cause you're trying your best to, to be authentic to each character and they're arguing with each other and one of them's going to end up winning. And even if you prepped it and you know, who's going to win, you still got to fight for that. So it's kind of fun. And then once in a while, like if I'm working with a director or something, they'll be like, that was really good. Like, <laughs> this is pretty good. Yeah. You know? And then there's other times where you're like, you think you've done a pretty good job and the director or somebody will be like, all right, you know, and it's just like, that's all I get. Oh, and, so, and then we're good. the hardest thing, <laughs> the hardest thing is, I think is uh, when you're recording by yourself and directing yourself, which is a big thing now because of budgets and everything, and you just don't get any feedback. So you're just yeah. like, it felt good, but you don't know if it was really good or authentic or whatever. So. I can imagine just the little bit of work I've done with Jeff on the podcast and stuff, you know, going back and editing, like I would get sick of the sound of my own voice if I was directing myself, like, is that good? I don't know if that's good. Oh, no. Like in having this, ex you know, existential crisis, do you find if you've directed yourself, you're like, oh, my God, will you just shut up? I don't want to hear me anymore. Dan. Dan, I'm not sick of my own voice. This is a safe space for you to say you're not <laughs> sick of your own voice. I love my voice. I no, love I'm, it. <laughs> no, I, I remember going to New York for uh, for some audiobook uh, event, like a convention and awards show when I first started doing it. And hearing somebody like at some panel, you know, talk about, yeah, when I go back and I listen to my, I'm just like, God, how can you do that? You know, <laughs> like I, it's the last thing I want to hear is my voice, you know, and I, I mean, I never really want to listen back, you know, musically. I don't know. I mean, there's some for a performance or whatever. There's some weird narcissism, I guess, you know, if you do something well and it feels good. But I like hearing if it's humorous or odd character voices. But when it's just regular narration, it's me. It's I always think it sounds pretty bland. Like I wouldn't listen to that guy. <laughs> And then one quick note, I don't know if it's too highfalutin, we haven't used this terminology, but you say you are reading audiobooks, you're narrating, this is really acting, this is performance, because... Yeah, you, it's funny, even like from a credit perspective, like when you do the, like I know per, Brilliance Audio, for example, I'm doing a book for them right now, and when I recorded the intro, it was, you know, whatever, you know, you say the title, and then you say, you're, you know, Performed by Dan John Miller, or whatever. Right. And, and some are like read by. Right. Or, and and it all you know it all depends. And I think 
it can get heavy handed, you mm -hmm. know, and I know I've done it and it depends on the publisher and it depends on what the author wants. If they want you to get pretty big with uh, character voices. Mm -hmm. And then there's some authors where even if they describe, you know, an Irish lilt or a rasp, they're like, no, nope, we don't want to hear any of that. So, wow. Interesting. You're describing it. It seems like, you know, and if I can do it, I mean, I can do it subtly, but sometimes they don't want that. And then there's other times I think where it can, you know, it depends on, I think everybody has their own taste for it too. Mm -hmm. And I know when I checked out from the library, a bunch of audio books before I got into it, when I was going to get a, um, you know, put together an audio reel, you know, for auditions and stuff like that. I got them. And then Tracy, my wife, you know, like I was asking her, so what did you, th and we, although we're usually lockstep with music and films and stuff, we were not that way with audio. It's like, really? You like that guy? I, I just thought he was, it was too choppy or this and that, or this woman sounded to this, you know, so we both had, so I think it can depend on the listener, you know, like what, so I think a lot of people, when they find someone they like, mm -hmm. they tend to stick with it. And there's some narrators who are great, who do almost no character voices. And there are some uh, narrators who do great character voices, who I don't think are very good audiobook narrators, because it just doesn't feel like they're telling a story because it becomes more about a performance as opposed to conveying, you know, the story that the author wants. And I'm sure I've gone over the top and people, you know, have listened and, you know, and I, th I think one of the things that was weird was like for women to do men's voices for fiction and for men to do women's voices, you know, so it does seem better to not do, I mean, obviously nothing falsetto or anything like that, but also not to, you know, to tell it more like a, like if I was talking to you guys and yeah. I said, I ran up to Kroger and the cashier said, hey, you don't, you know, I right. wouldn't be like, yeah. and the cashier said, hey, I need you to. You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also very fun to do, you know, like when they're, they always say to have the most fun with smaller characters, you know, so mm -hmm. it's, and I, I think the other really cool thing about narrating audiobooks is most of the time you have almost total creative control when it comes to fiction. So, if somebody's not described a certain way, you can kind of take it and do whatever you want and give somebody, you know, so if you're thinking this person should have a, you know, a little bit of a rasp or a nasal thing, or, you know, so you can, I mean, there's the tone of the voice, there's the speed of how quickly they talk. Um, there's, you know, the, the tempo of it. It's, it, it is very musical. So it's kind of fun to do that stuff. And then it, it all depends on how much the the author wants you to, you know, to get behind it. And But that, you know, you're asking me about the first book I did, which was I was in California and I got this call from Brilliant saying, you know, they wanted me to do this Andre debut book who had written House of Sand and Fog. And his next one was called Garden of Last Days. And they wanted me to do it. And I had never done a book before. So I was they said, oh, we needed to start. And I'm like, I'm in California, so we'll we'll get you on the next one. But I really loved House of Sand and Fog and wanted to do it. So I was like, well, let me see if I can change my flight. So I took a red eye and then I got in that morning, drove to Grand Haven and started recording, you know, around noon or something that day. And I was just so tired. And it was there's a bunch of Arabic uh things that I didn't know, you know, for dialects with apostrophes and having to 
kind of do this little jump to your voice and and I fortunately had a great director and narrator and they were very patient with me and I just kept drinking a ton of water and it was <laughs> it was a long book I think it was like 16 hours long and wow. when it was done it I'm sure if I listened to it now I'd be kind of mortified because I didn't know what the hell I was doing <laughs> but it was really fun and you know and the big thing was after I got through that first day they all said like oh now you're you can do this like some people and I I remember the night before I left was because uh, I had a small part in a movie called Leatherheads with, uh, oh yeah, you know, with George Clooney and uh, he directed it and was in it and John Krasinski and Renee Zellweger and then Jonathan Price was in it and the scene I did was with Jonathan Price and he was just like he was telling me he's like you know I tried to do on an audiobook and. After about 20 minutes, I, you know, I had to walk out. I was done because, you know, you can't just, you know, because he, he was such a great theatrical stage actor and trained that way, I think. And for whatever reason, I can just sit there <laughs> and, and I can get really into it. I think, you know, it feels like it. But, you, you know, and I think part of it maybe is from having done a lot of home recording with music. I was going to guess. You really cannot make any any big movements. I mean, anytime. Anytime I do is if I start getting into some scene, inevitably you hit some you know, the filter on the mic or sure. something or your chair creaks or something. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably statuesque the whole time. Not yeah, even so moving. Posture is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> there was another book, though, that was I think is in hopefully an interesting story, but it was an American tragedy written in 1920 or something like that. And it was, you know, the, the movie A Place in the Sun. Mm -hmm. That's a little excerpt of an American tragedy. You know, this classic of American literature, just like a fantastic book, but just filled with the writing at that time, just one parenthetical phrase after another, oh. just the longest sentences. <laughs> and it was, it was almost like every sentence was filled with a disclaimer, but it was so emotional and such a beautiful book and so sad and funny and you know just everything you know that's why it's such a such a well-regarded book but probably not the best thing or the easiest thing for an audiobook and the publisher i was doing it with had some system at that point where you held a, almost like this game boy thing or something it was like a video control thing and they would send you so you wouldn't record on pro tools which is what i usually do if i'm recording at home but it would so they sent you their computer that had this kind of thing that would highlight the text and it was like playing a video game so when you finish a paragraph you had to hit something then it would jump ahead wow, weird and that really was if you would get to the long to the end of a really long paragraph and screwed up you had to start that whole thing again it was just awful but it was right before and i remember it was right before my son was born and i was like well it's a 36 hour book but i love this book and i'm gonna do it wow. and i was recording it at a friend's house in the basement that was empty but it was near some railroad tracks in royal oak and you know, i had to time it when the trains wouldn't come by and stuff but uh the worst thing was that it turned out there was some problem with their program or, or the equipment they had sent me so i had to i think i probably recorded that book twice it just took oh. forever and then it kept you know it's like any other technical thing but i remember some some scenes like where it just it sounds so pitiful but i was like in the basement of this vacant house recording this book and it'd be this dialogue or something and this guy's kind of like pleading you know the character's pleading for his life and but he's very manipulative and all this 
And I remember just loving it. And I would get to the point, you know, like when you're really feeling something and, you know, just tearing up and just like, man, this feels really good. And then all of a sudden it would crap out. Oh, no. Like, all right. So I got to redo that whole thing. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like just doing another take in a film, I guess, or something like that. But it was just something about it was just so unfair. But it, it turned out it turned out good and people liked it. But so what I'm just such a, what, such a, I think we've come a long ways in the old audiobook industry. So. What I'm getting from this is if you encounter someone who says, I really like reading, I should read audiobooks, you're going to throttle their collar and say, do you really like reading? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you I think you really have to. And I really? think that's like. Really from like what it. I from what I've heard, some people, and you know, it'll happen with authors too, who think they can do it, and then they'll be like, "Never again! I will <laughs> never do that." It was maddening, and I, you know, the sad thing is, is like you. I talked to uh, a speech pathologist or somebody at one point, and I remember she was telling me she's like, especially at Brilliance, like they would have us go like from nine in the morning till five in the afternoon all day and like other publishers did not want you doing it because they they felt like you would hit a certain point and then you know your voice wouldn't be as sharp and uh, mentally you wouldn't be doing as well but you know everybody has their own their own way of going about things but she was saying that she's like even if you take a break every hour and take really great care it's the equivalent of running a marathon every day and the greatest most in shape marathon runners are still exhausted after running a marathon so you're going to be exhausted every day and so that was the thing like a brilliance would go to the hotel after and you know at first you're just like this is great you know i'm in grand haven it's summertime and i'm gonna go out to the lighthouse and go get a pronto pup and do this and that and sometimes i'd get the energy to do it but a lot of times after reading all day you just want to go back to the hotel room and just look at some stupid movie or tv show and just veg out you know not think about anything so. yeah we should change june to audiobook narrator appreciation month yes there you go because <laughs> we where will we be without you we, we 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 really appreciate all all the efforts of audiobook narrators yeah Friends. yeah i think i mean i i i do think that is the the number one thing is like if you're going to be an audiobook narrator and you want to do it you know i think it's really a love of the books, you know, yeah. and really conveying a story or or a subject. Because one of the coolest things I think is that there are just so many books that I've narrated that there's no way I would have ever chosen to read, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like the same thing with music, you know. It's kind of like the magic of listening to something that's curated by someone you don't know or radio and just the like being open to it like man i can't believe that what, what the hell was that song or that that sound or that arrangement whereas like if you're in control and you're just going through everything and just picking it you're really not going to be that surprised so it's kind of fun to be thrown in the water sometimes and just like read just something that you would never think would be interesting in the same way that there are some books i've thought i would love and eh, wasn't that good you know oh yeah or or even like some <laughs> Some authors you wouldn't expect to be the there's a guy I've read a couple of his books. He's like a physicist, really. And he's I did one book of his. He was a good friend of Stephen Hawking's and he wrote a memoir about his friendship with Stephen Hawking. And then the last one I did of his was about just emotions and how they tie into the way we think and just different things. The newest 
brain chemistry science and how everything works and the changes. And in both of those cases, I just thought this is this is going to be pretty dry. But he was just he's just a great writer at like you know telling telling a story. You know, like and I think that's the number one thing you're trying to pretend like you're talking to one person, telling a friend the story. And I think that's one of the reasons some actors aren't happy about doing it because they're really not performing for an audience and mm-hmm. it's just like for yourself almost or for one person and it's got to be pretty intimate and soft you know unless it's an argument unless it's an argument yeah <laughs> dan thanks so much for joining us and, and rapping with us about audiobooks really appreciate yeah. the chance to pick your brain yeah. thank you for your work thank you for your work thank you for your voice keep taking care of your voice uh yeah. remember to hydrate or whatever <laughs> honey and tea and shall yeah <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I feel like we'll link to your audible credits in the show notes. Go listen to a book by Dan John Miller and, uh, uh, Dan, thanks again. Happy audiobook month. All right. Thank you guys. Happy audiobook month to you and yours. Take care, sir. <laughs> Thank All you. Right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. That was Dan John Miller. And that's, uh, that's our episode. We should have more guests on. Kelly, it was great to have you on here as always. Thank you. It was um, a pleasure to talk to somebody who does a thing I truly appreciate. Oh, man. All the patience. You have been listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. We were joined by Dan John Miller, who you just heard. We were also joined by Kelly. Bye. And you were joined by me too. And the music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode is by a local musician, John Duffy. If you want to support this podcast, go to ferndalefriends.org or rate or review or follow us. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it to social media or just tell a friend about it. And uh, happy audiobook month. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening.